Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Um, we're going to be talking about fear, fear of the Lord. And um, it's one of, it's a, the aim of this sermon is for us to cultivate a healthy fear of the Lord. Uh, sometimes, you know, somebody like Jonah. Jonah feared the Lord. It says so in Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, but it didn't do him any good because as soon as he feared the Lord, he tried to get out of town. Um, but sometimes, but the fear should be a good thing. For example, um, when you're in school and you have to take a test, usually the people who study the most are the ones with the greatest fear because they know how important it is to do well on the test. Now, this isn't the type of fear like uh, there's a monster under my bed or uh, the boogeyman's coming that you have to hide under your blankets. Um, this is more of a fear that when we know who God is, when we know who the creator is, who our judge is, that we develop a healthy fear in order to walk with him. We know that you know, not everybody who believes is going to get home scot-free. Uh, Yeshua says in Matthew 25, I never knew you to the people who said, but we called out your name. He points out that, no, it's not just the idea of uh, casting out demons or uh, doing healings in my name. It's a person who feeds the hungry and, feeds the, and gives water to the thirsty and clothes the naked. So the idea of, having a, um, of being home free, of saying, okay, I believe I don't have to fear God because I'm going to heaven, that's not the case. You can kind of look at fear um, as sort of like um, fire. Man's supposedly um, man became civilized when he started using fire. A couple of weeks ago uh, at Sukkot, we were at the uh, Lesperance's home, and they had this beautiful little fire pit. And the fire was it was wonderful. It gave us warmth; we can feel it. It gave us. Uh, a nice sound when it was a crackling flame. Uh, we could see the beautiful fire as it was, the flames were dancing back and forth. Uh, you could actually, you know, it appealed to almost all of the senses. But there was also a gate around the fire. There was also, whenever anybody threw an extra log on the fire, they used uh, tongs, very long metal tongs. We knew that although we loved the fire, though it was something that was beautiful, it could still hurt us. If you read papers, you know, there's always a, um, a wildfire in the southwest uh, that destroys acres and acres. So here was something that's wonderful and beautiful, but yet it's worth fearing. If any of you are C.S. Lewis fans, there's a wonderful line in... Um, it's too bad Rita's not here today. She's usually wearing the T-shirt from uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where this little girl was talking to uh, Mr. Beaver, I think it was. And she's talking about this lion who represents Yeshua. And she says, is he safe? And the beaver says, no, he's not safe, but he is good. And that's a really great way of um, viewing our fear of the Lord. Fear is re- referenced in the scriptures 300 times. You know, to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord. Um, and a lot of people try to change it. They, wanna, they don't like the idea of fearing the law. They want to say it's to be in awe or to respect or to revere the Lord. But you show me anybody who's struggling with sin, 
who has a recurring sin or just sins lackadaisically and doesn't really think it's anything terrible, that's a person who doesn't fear the Lord. So the idea of um, adding some good, healthy fear in our lives would be something that would be very helpful. Ever remembered um, Jonathan Edwards, who was one of the first uh, preachers in America? He wrote a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And that's very much how we, again, should see it. We're in his hands. And if we do something to anger him, um, we're in trouble. Some of the reasons why we should fear God is that we just can't possibly understand him. As much as we love him, as much as he loves us, his mind is so vast from ours that there's no way we can understand who he is, what he's saying. And that should evoke a little bit of a fear. He can also use us as his will uh, dictates. Again, you can look at somebody like Jonah, somebody like Noah. You know, God tells you to do something, you should do it. Often we don't hear his voice, but circumstances in our lives will push us in that direction. We also have to know that there is a judgment day coming. And we all will stand before him. And even though we are believers, even though Yeshua has already taken the punishment for us, we will still be held accountable. Fear should, it should lead to obedience. Um, especially if this fear is strong enough and that's strong enough. Remember the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Uh, at first there was this terrible, terrible scene of... Uh, the mountain was shaking, there was smoke, there was thunder and lightning. Very, very frightening. I'm just a poor boy from a poor family. But um, there was thunder and lightning, and they feared him. And he said, everything that you say, I will, we will obey. A couple of days later, you know, they're breaking all kinds of uh, promises to him. Uh, if you remember when the uh, spies went out uh, to check out the land, and they came back and said, oh, there are giants in the land. Uh, the Israelites feared the giants much more than they feared God. If they had feared God, they would have done what he wanted them to. Fear leads to humility. And that's one of the things that I, we can actually do a whole sermon I might, on humility and how most of us in this generation is lacking humility. But when you think of who God is and who we are, and more importantly, who we aren't, the idea of fearing God is very important, the idea of being humble before him. In Joshua 4, 23 and 24, we have this wonderful quote, verse. For Adonai, your God, dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as Adonai, your God, did to the Sea of Reeds, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know Adonai's hand is mighty so that you may, here it comes, you may fear Adonai, your God, forever. When you think about how he is and how we are, there's no reason to think that you cannot fear him. Let's look for a second at some of the people throughout scriptures who, has, who have feared God. One of my favorite characters of all time is Rahab. Um, she's in Joshua. Excuse me a second. They drank before I came up here. I'd be running into the bathroom. At least I'd be standing up. Um, here's what they say. Now, before, remember, she was hiding the two spies. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, 
I know what Adonai has given you. I know that Adonai has given you the land. Dread of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are melting in fear before you. For we have heard how Adonai dried up the water of the sea of reeds before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard about it, our hearts melted, and no spirit remained any more in anyone because of you. So Adonai, your God, he is God, in heaven above and on earth beneath. The whole idea of the fear leading to a belief. She didn't see anything that happened. She just heard about it. She didn't experience anything that happened. That's one of the reasons why it's important for us to have a witness, to know what the Lord means to us, to know how we became believers. Um, Again, just hearing about it is enough to make a person believe. And also notice very much how people hear and fear the Lord in different ways, and yet it always has to lead to an action. Uh, Job is described as a man who who was blameless and upright, He feared God and shunned evil. A lot of times, fearing God is not something that's held all by itself. In verse 23, 13 to 15, it is said, He, speaking about God, is unchangeable. And who can change him? Whatever his soul desires, he does. For he fulfills the decree against me, and many such things are with him. That is why I am... That is why I am terrified at his presence. When I, consider his, when I consider this, I fear him. Isaiah actually comes face to face with the Lord. He sees God, he sees the kingdom of Adonai. And he realizes his own, his own unworthiness. He sees Adonai sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, seraphim around him, saying, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah says, Oi to me. Now, this is the translation in our Tanakh. Um, I really, I'm not a scholar of Greek or of Hebrew or not even of English most of the time, but I really don't think Isaiah used the word oi. But our translation is oi to me. For I am a man of unclean lips. I am dwelling among a people of unclean lips. He recognizes his unworthiness um, as compared to just our pride. Everybody is sinful. Everybody should not be in God's presence. Luckily, we are. Uh, Luckily, we are able to come to him. I also want to point out King Darius in the book of Daniel. He sees a miracle, and he believes. If you remember, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, uh, Darius was pretty upset because he liked Daniel, but it was a law he had to throw him in there, and the lions didn't eat him up. After which um, Darius says, "Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, of the, to all the peoples, nations, and languages dwelling in all the earth. May your peace be abundant." I issue a decree that in all the domain of my kingdom, people are to tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living king, enduring forever. 
Now here's a king who really wants his own king to be respected, and yet he's giving praise to a bigger kingdom. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His domain will never end. He delivers and rescues. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You know the power of these words. He really wants his people to realize there is a God in heaven. It's not him. And that he is expressing this incredible humility for a king. For a king who wants to be worshipped, who wants to be obeyed. He's turning power over to some other king. Another great example of fear that leads to action are the sailors in the book of Jonah. In the first chapter, verses 15 and 16, we hear, so they, this is when they're, they're in the middle of a storm, they're wondering what's going to happen, is the boat going to be destroyed? And uh, Jonah confesses that it's him that's causing the storm, that God is angry at him. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stilled from its raging. Then the men became afraid with an overwhelming fear of Adonai, and they offered sacrifice to Adonai and made vows. Fear led to belief, which led to the action of worship. Now Jonah, again, like I said, is described as a man who fears God, but his fear wasn't as strong as those who saw God for the first time, understood who he was, saw his power, and worshipped. This person I would want to point out is Abraham. Um, he's about to sacrifice Isaac. We all know the story. He goes up. Uh, God told him to sacrifice his son. He um, obeys. This is a man who, like Zach pointed out, would obey, wouldn't obey. If he did obey, he obeyed you know, not wholeheartedly. And here he is at the moment where he's ready, ready to sacrifice his own son, his his obedience and his fear of the Lord grew to that point. Then he, meaning God, and he said, do not reach out your hand against the young man. Do nothing to him at all. For now I know that you are one who fears God. You did not withhold your son, your only son from me. Our actions have to tell God and everyone else around us that we fear him. If we don't have that strong inward fear, it's not going to show up. Even, you know, a lot of people think, well, the Lord's changed a lot. I mean, the Lord in the Old Testament is somebody to fear. The Lord in the New Testament, though, he's friendly and warm and happy and, you know, little bluebirds come and fly around him. He sings zippity doodah. Mm, not so. I mean, if you really think the Lord in the, Old, in the New Testament is no one to fear, Read Revelation. Things are going to happen. Plagues are coming. Um, destruction, earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars. This is all by his hand. He is uh, opening the scrolls and pouring out the balls and blowing the trumpets. It's worth fearing. It's worth knowing about. Even if it doesn't happen in our lifetime, although based on Tuesday's results, it might be closer than I thought, Um, it is worth knowing about it's worth thinking about Peter who was one of the closest disciples to the Lord in Luke 5, 5, 11 says Yeshua sees them after a night of unsuccessful fishing 
And they come back with their empty nets, and Yeshua says, tells them to throw their nets into the water again. And Peter says, no, you know, we've tried, and the fish aren't there today. However, he complies. Uh, and they catch so many in their nets that the nets begin to break and the ship begins to sink. And in verse 8, Peter says, But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Yeshua's knees, saying, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. Jacob and uh, John also did the same thing. Like Isaiah, when they encounter the Lord and they understand who he is, it leads to fear. And that leads to humility and worship. If you're not humble, ask yourself if you really fear. And if you want to check out how much do I fear, check out your humility. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, we have a final word. When all has been heard, fear God and keep his mitzvah. For this applies to all mankind. All mankind. Not just the Israelites, not just uh, Jews today, but everybody should fear the Lord. And in Ecclesiastes, if you remember, is the one that's talking about uh, vanity and vanity, all is vanity, and there's nothing new under the sun. And the very conclusion is that the only thing that matters is to fear God and to keep his commandments. In Revelation, we have an angel flying over the earth proclaiming the good news to everyone. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. I said this earlier, but it's worth repeating. The judgment is coming, whether the judgment of the whole earth or just our individual judgments as we live and die. We're going to be judged. We do not have a uh, free card, uh, pass, go, and collect $100, don't go to jail. We're going to be judged. The revelation again says, Praise our God, O you, his servants, and O you who fear him, both the small and the great. In the end of Ecclesiastes, we have, Even though a sinner might commit a hundred crimes and prolong his days, yet I know it will be well for those who fear God, for those who revere him but it will not go well for the wicked. And he will not lengthen his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. Let me give, uh, I was going to say, I have here the top 10 reasons why we should fear God, but that kind of sets it up as something humorous. It really won't be. But I will give you 10 reasons why, based on scripture, we should be fearing God. The first, and possibly the most important, is that we're commanded to fear God. In Deuteronomy 6.24, it says, Adonai commands us to do all these statutes to fear Adonai, our God, for our good always to keep us alive, as is the case this day. It's not as strong a fear as in the Shema, where we're told to love God uh, with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, but we are commanded to fear God. Another reason to fear God is that it makes us smart. Uh, there'll be lots of verses throughout the Psalms that says, um, you know, the, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, 
fear of God is the beginning of understanding. In Job 28, 28, it says, And he said to mankind, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. When we fear God, we receive blessings. Uh, Exodus one twenty one says, remember the story of the midwives? Um, they were told to kill all the firstborn males in Israel, and these two midwives didn't. And uh, because they didn't, Moses lived and a lot of other little Jewish boy babies. And they come before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is talking to them. So you're not killing these kids. And they say, no, no, the Jewish women are having the babies faster than we can uh, deliver them. And so the baby is already delivered to God by the time we get there. But because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. It says, yet the midwives feared God, so they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. It's incredibly important to know that God understands our fear, and he rewards it. Throughout the Psalms and Proverbs, we also hear... uh, Behold, the eyes of Adonai are on those who fear him, waiting for his love to deliver their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. Reason number four to fear God gives us a long life. In Proverbs, uh, the fear of Adonai prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Also in 19 we hear, the fear of Adonai leads to life. And he who has it rests satisfied, untouched by harm. Uh, Proverbs 14. In the fear of Adonai, one has strong confidence. It will be a refuge to his children. The fear of Adonai is a fountain of life, turning one from the snares of death. Reason number five. It keeps us from sinning. It keeps us honest. Exodus 20, 20. So Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come to test you so that his fear may be in you, so that you do not sin. In Leviticus, we have, you are not to curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am Adonai. Those who fear God are rescued. Psalm 34. The angel of Adonai encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. That's a, to me, that's a really important picture. The idea that um, God has his angels protecting us. I've, I've often thought about that, but in, uh, I sometimes I'm on the L at uh, midnight coming home from work. And I think most people would say that's not really, really safe place to be. And yet I'll sense or I'll pray for God's angels to be protecting me. Uh, also, I always make sure I'm in the first car. The first car, the L, is the safest. because That's where the engineer is. Uh, so sometimes you have to fear God and act accordingly. That just depend on him to rescue you. We also receive mercy. And his mercy is from generation to generation to the ones who fear him. That's in uh, Luke. It's a song of Miriam. Uh, when Miriam realizes that she's carrying the Messiah, when she speaks to Elizabeth, 
just as his mercy is from generation to generation to the ones who fear him. You don't really picture uh, Mary as somebody who would fear God. Uh, after all, she's the mother of Yeshua. But she understood the importance of fearing him. There's a re- the eighth reason is reward of judgment. In Revelation we hear, the nations were enraged, but your wrath has come and the time for the dead to be judged. To reward your servants, the, now listen to this, you're going to reward your servants, the prophets, the saints and holy ones, and those who fear your name. Imagine that just by fearing him, we're linked into a group of prophets and the Kedoshim. It says, the small and the great, and to destroy the destroyers of the earth. Uh, we are probably as small as you can get, and yet we will be uh, linked in with the prophets. Salvation comes to those who fear him. Reason number nine, and we're almost there. Psalm 8510 says, Surely his, sta- his salvation is near those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our, hand, in our land. And Matthew says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Incredible that, you know, we would normally want to fear people. Again, the idea of uh, the Israelites in uh, crossing over, they are told that there are giants in Canaan, and they fear the giants. They fear the people who can kill them. They don't fear God who can kill both uh, the body and the soul. And the last reason, yay, the last reason, uh, it's this treasure. And if you can give God a treasure, that's pretty wonderful. Uh, it will be, uh, this is in Ecclesiastes again, it will be your time of faithfulness, a wealth of salvation, wisdom and knowledge, for the fear of Adonai is his treasure. God values our fear. Hopefully, you'll understand that fearing God is something that we are commanded to do, that it's a good thing for us to do, and that it makes him happy. And these are all the reasons why we should. Although we may not be comfortable with the concept of fear, especially the fear of God, it does lead to great benefits and to a closeness with him that we can't get any other way. Shabbat Shalom.